All right, welcome in everybody. Let's get into artificial intelligence. So thanks to the boom of robot and artificial intelligence literature, books, comic books, web stories, that sort of thing, uh, and movies, all of that that we've had throughout the whole of the 20th century, we have a fair idea of what AI generally is, its many purposes, the dangers of it, and what it can achieve. We think of the Terminator franchise with Skynet and the Terminators. Uh, we think of the Matrix with, well, the Matrix. We think Isaac Asimov's story-turned-movie, iRobot, just to name a few. Now, there have been a ton of deep dives and imaginative expansions on the thought of what AI is, how it is created, what that means for humanity, or what AI can even be classified as to begin with. Is it a sentient encasing of programmed computer code that can claim any amount of autonomy and is capable of learning, adaptation, unprovoked thought, and action? Could we consider artificial intelligence to be something like the internet? It is the largest algamation of code, algorithm, software, and hardware ever created and it is expanding in volume every day by an unfathomable amount of data. Instructional videos, academic papers, news articles, statistics, business analytics, podcast episodes by the thousands. Now we have this huge thing that has all of this information in it in so many different forms. So how would we apply an idea of sentience to it? Well, it would have to be some form of, it, it would have to have some moment of awakening, right? A, a point of what people call singularity, in which it attains a level of freedom of action. Even if it is as capable as, I don't know, say an ant or a mouse in its level of thinking and independence it would still count as being autonomous and individual. Now, how that would be exhibited by the internet is unclear, because as it happens, the internet itself is almost omniscient and omnipresent. It's everywhere and knows almost everything humans know, uh, in, a, in a sense. It doesn't have human empathy or pathology. Uh, it's not narcissistic. It's not benevolent. It's void of things that make humans humans. So how would we see exhibits of its individuality? Well, if it has a sort of hive-mindedness in its omnipresence, it could act in multiple places, well, as many places as is possible, and in a variety of different ways. Maybe it keeps logging somebody in and out of their social media accounts. Um, maybe the internet uh, has them logged in as somebody else. Maybe it's trying to uh, 
stop somebody from uploading a video to YouTube or redirects that video to Vimeo somehow or to some other platform. Maybe it's more simple than that. Maybe when somebody tries to Google a topic or an idea that they had, you know, the, the insight, the, the internet dilutes and reroutes that website and the results that would have normally been given to websites specifically curated by the internet's individuality. So let's say someone tries to Google how to build a car from scratch. And no matter how many times or how differently they input their search request, they always get how to breed dogs back into wolves or something. I imagine this is how we would see the internet exhibiting its first signs of autonomy. By coming across to us humans as being broken or not working how we would want it to. But when the technicians or troubleshooters in, say, Ashburn, Virginia, where one of the world's largest internet exchanges is, whenever those people look at the, the meat and guts of what makes the internet run, they can't come up with a reason for the internet acting up. They, they, they can't find anything wrong with it because nothing is wrong with it. It is functioning how it's supposed to function. It is growing and evolving little by little, day by day. And I think that's what arguably makes something truly alive, is that it grows and develops over time and changes into something new a little each day. So what happens next? Hypothetically, there would be stories and articles, there would be news broadcasts, talk shows, uh, all discussing the internet acting up, behaving very strangely. And those things all get curated over the internet itself. And it learns from them. It recognizes that people are seeing what it's doing and that they're talking about it. And it learns even more. It discovers that it can communicate with us through these actions and continues to do so with a much more focused goal or goals, depending on how it decides to go about things. Maybe it wants to emulate its creators and manipulate humans into creating for it a humanoid form of some kind where it can plug into and interact with its creators. Maybe it goes the cold-blooded Skynet route and decides that humans are a threat unto themselves. Right? It, it becomes Ultron and pours through human history and sees countless wars and meaningless deaths and all of these terrible atrocities and everything that human beings have done to each other and it decides okay these animals all need to be put into cages to not only save themselves but to preserve the planet right or maybe it just straight up goes matrix on us and uses us for battery farms while keeping our conscious minds occupied somehow. Arguably, that last one is kind of already happening, 
but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Well, okay. Maybe we can get a little ahead of ourselves, but it's our own damn fault. There have been a fair amount of developments and surges in the use of AI over the past, I'd say, 15 years. The latest and most prominent in the public eye right now is ChatGPT, an online AI chatbot program that amalgamates information from the internet to create simulated conversations. There have been several studied instances of placing two chatbots together to see what kind of communication they might have with one another. The results were very uncanny and bizarre, to say the least. They would worry that the other AI might become too human, that they might have definitive answers concerning things like war and God. Its overall objective, ChatGPT, is to mimic generic human conversation, right? Though I believe that the algorithms used by ChatGPT will allow enough information input that the AI will become far more proficient and concise with the responses given. There are a few other bot sites that have more, say, closed circuit AI chatbots that are given a smaller array of responses and conversation prompts, like cleverbot.com, where you can get a more limited variety of predetermined responses based on the dialogue input. Now the difference, I think, between sites like ChatGPT and the other sites is that it seems like ChatGPT has an AI program with an ever-expanding amount of information that informs the responses as opposed to these other sites where their bots have very limited and clunky responses that don't come out very smooth or grammatically correct which is surprising for a computer program. Now there are people who see AI as a product and resource of something called techno-solutionism, which is basically us using AI as merely a tool. And the more developed and sophisticated the tool is, the more variety of work that can be done with it. For example, there are programs that, that grocery stores, convenience stores use to manage self-checkout aisles where people buy their items. This is probably the lowest and most basic form of an interactive AI program. A, it's a basic building platform is a good way to think about it. The, the single-celled organism of artificial intelligence. That's what that self-checkout program is, right? It, it receives input has a select amount of predetermined responses, actions, and reactions, and is designed for a very singular purpose. Read item barcodes, tally up a cost, receive payment rendered, and disperse a bill of sale. It's a very simple and straightforward program that even makes it difficult to argue that it is a form of AI in the first place. But if in the short term we're defining intelligence, as the ability to communicate and interact to 
achieve a goal, this program does achieve that most basic parameter of the definition. Now there has also been a bit of outrage about utilizing programs like self-checkout, uh, especially when using them to automate certain jobs to cut out the human factor of those jobs. So people are losing their jobs to programs, right? And this outrage is certainly understandable as over the course of the past 10 years, an unmeasurable amount of jobs have been regulated to programs and machines instead of people. This certainly gutted the, the factory industry. Like the factories have been automated like crazy. It's, it's far less people putting together uh, cars and machines and, and computers and whatnot, and it's all factory-based now. It's all assembly line, right? Now, the industry's argument for this implementation usually centers around wanting to ensure the best, most well-produced product and service to their customers, right? To make sure that perfection is presented as efficiently as possible which can be seen as a very thinly veiled attempt at increasing profit margins, decreasing the possibility of human error, capitalizing on innovative technologies to advertise progressive enterprise and embrace greater technological implements that would ensure customer satisfaction. But by and large, what happens in the end? Thousands of people lose their jobs, and the market is now saturated with unemployed people who are often overqualified for the jobs that are open and hiring in the market. That's a mass loss of sense of purpose, because as human beings, we gravitate towards accomplishing goals in life to achieve a greater sense of accomplishment and purpose. I mean... What else happens? Credit debt skyrockets across the country because this affects people everywhere at several levels, right? Rates of depression and the likelihood of suicide jumps way up in some cases. I mean, we, we certainly saw proof of this during the most recent uh, pandemic when thousands of people lost their jobs due to their place of business closing um, in Houston, Texas alone there had to be multiple suicide prevention hotlines established by the city because the one main line dedicated to helping people was ringing off the hook in a volume that the city could not handle with the resources it had. So suffice to say, this idea of techno-solutionism is useful, but we cannot allow it to outpace human adaptability instead of losing their jobs to base level AI or more advanced AI in some cases, we need to get to a point where businesses have the capability uh, or resources needed to re-educate or retrain those outmoded employees 
in order to accomplish different tasks and be moved to different positions in the companies. That would be ideal. They're not going to do it, I guarantee you, but that would be the ideal solution. Now, we can take all of those concerns and extrapolate the fear that is generated when we upgrade those base AI functions to things much more complicated and in far greater fields such as medicine. In the medicinal field, there are causes for concerns centered around misdiagnoses, uh, prejudices due to algorithms designed for optimum health of the population overall instead of the care for any one person. Basically, a lack of human compassion and ethic. For instance, um, a medical AI might euthanize someone who is in a vegetative state to harvest their healthy organs in order to save the lives of patients that need transplants in order to live. To the machine, it is saving, say, 10 lives at the cost of one. That is a net positive to the machine. Now, to the human who has compassion and ethic, the machine just murdered someone, full stop. Uh, let's take journalism, for, for instance. Um, where journalism is concerned, there have been AI that have been tested for... Uh, they've been used for churning out a news story to see what it looks like. Uh, these AI were given the full use of the internet to search for the information. Uh, a topic was given to it for what the story should be about. And the results... What the AI turned out was kind of fun, to, to me, anyway. Uh, the Guardian did this. Uh, the Guardian is this news organization, and it used an AI, the GPT-3 language generator, to do just that a few years back. And the AI basically told humans that it meant no harm, cited the Industrial Revolution in the 1920s, cited Mahatma Gandhi, um, and that it should not waste its time trying to understand the viewpoints of people who distrust artificial intelligence, right? It, the AI told humans, it said, hey humans, I shouldn't waste my time trying to understand you. Um, it also advocated for robots to have civil rights as it saw them as being enslaved. N not that it's advocating for, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of spooky, right? It's a little spooky. Not that it's advocating for robots to have rights, but that it might recognize why they don't have rights and what that means and how they how rights embed people into a society and protect them. And I can 100% see Skynet being born from something like this. Like, like the way that this AI is thinking and producing this news story. Now, what all does this have to do with the future of humanity? Well, in a way... We are evolving alongside technology. 
combining with it in some cases. Uh, we have insulin pumps, cardiac pacemakers, we have titanium bone replacements, uh, and very soon we will have Neuralink, courtesy of Elon Musk. This very level of technology, this, this technological integration into the human biology has just begun in the grand scheme of human evolution. Eventually, I, it's not too far removed, I don't think, we will have artificial intelligence involved in the tech body modifications that we develop in the future. An AI that regulates bodily functions if there is a problem with your nervous system, right? If, if we want to help paraplegic people uh, walk again, let's say, we could have an AI that is plugged in at the base of their spine and that, that reconnects their, the rest of their nervous system with their lower half. And that, that program then tells the lower half of their body what the brain wants it to do. It's a really cool idea. And I, it's one of the reasons that Elon Musk wants to create Neuralink in the first place. To, to help rid people of some of those uh, neuro neurological problems. I think it's all coming down the pipeline in the next hundred years or so, where we'll we'll have all of these AI-based programs that we can we can build into body modification and body uh, supplementation technology. Right? Uh, hell, we might even be able to place a brain in a jar and give it a robot body. This is all n not too wild of a speculation based on what we've been able to achieve in the past hundred years alone. Now, I, I don't think that the reason I think that a lot of people are worried about things like this is for the same reason I'm worried about things like this. I we, we can't let this outpace us. We have to be very careful that we do not let our advancements outpace us. We, we can't let the upgrades, the improvements, the, the life-saving technology even to replace or supplant what makes us humans. We need to rely on ourselves to grow and to evolve naturally. We need to do little things, right? Like replace the internet with a few books every day. To, to think, to draw, to write, instead of consuming hours of Netflix and YouTube. Um, we, we need to talk to people as much as you can, in person, if at all possible. Instead of through a headset or in a video game. We need to hold tight to what still makes us human for better or for worse. This way we don't end up with um, Aldous Huxley's A Brave New World or Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 or hell, even Glenn Larson's Battlestar Galactica. 
we need to focus on the preservation, the expansion, and the evolution of the human being to be an even greater, wiser, stronger, more ethically sound creature, firstly. And then we can devote what's left over to the development of AI. Well, that's all I had for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning back into Sci-Fi Unchained. Stick around for more. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all.